Cutting through an overload of information to get to the heart of the story. This is The Point. Who on earth blew up the Nord Stream pipelines? Seymour Hersh, a Pulitzer Prize-winning American journalist, said it was the Biden administration. In an article published online on February the 8th, Hersh claims that in a covert operation, the U.S. military remotely detonated explosives that were attached months earlier by them to the underwater pipelines, destroying three out of the four Nord Stream pipelines last September. Hirsch based his expose on an anonymous source with direct knowledge to the operational planning. The source compared these sabotage to an act of war. But the bombshell report was not picked up by any mainstream Western media. The U.S. government has called Hirsch's claim complete fiction. What did Hirsch reveal exactly in the article? And according to him, how was the operation carried out and why? Our Western media quiet about it. I'm pleased to be joined from Stockholm, Sweden, by Hussein Askari, strategic analyst at Schiller Institute, an international non-governmental think tank based in Germany, and by Joseph Mahoney, professor at East China Normal University. Gentlemen, welcome to the point. So, um, a little bit about uh, Mr. Hirsch, of course, is not just another ordinary journalist. He uh, is a Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist, as I said, with uh, uh, decades of experience covering war in uh, Vietnam, in Iraq, and uh, he has been writing for mainstream U.S. media for decades. So, um, and yet, you know, this 5,000 expose he published online uh, did not get him uh, much attention. As I said, the Western mainstream media was quiet about it. And in the expose, he described how the few people within the Biden administration um, schemed and uh, ordered the operation to be carried out. It took nine months for the debate, first of all, and uh, the operation uh, was conceived at the end of 2021 and carried out um, mid-2022, and eventually the explosives were detonated um, in September last year. Basically what happened was the U.S. Navy divers were um, assigned this extremely confidential operation to um, attach explosives, C4 explosives, to the pipeline with the help of uh, the Norwegian government, again with knowledge of by only a very small amount of people. So um, they did that in a, a military exercise, routine military exercise, joint exercise mid-2022 uh, and uh, they made it possible also so that they can um, trigger the explosives with a sauna buoy that they uh, could control and uh, eventually uh, on order from the Biden administration, from President Biden. The explosives were detonated in September, causing the pipelines to explode and causing extra, uh, extensive damage on the 11 billion US dollar project. Um, what is interesting is um, the, the Biden administration, either before the operation was carried out or after the operation was carried out, um, were revealing almost to the public that they wanted the Nord Stream pipelines gone and they were happy that the pipelines were 
destroyed. So let me go to Mr. Askari first. Uh, what do you read of the content of this report? It's definitely a bombshell uh, in story because this is for the very first time that a major um, very um, heavyweight journalists were able to reveal exactly what happened and with certainty as well because he was quoting a source with direct knowledge to the operational planning. Mr. Askari. Uh, thank you, Mrs. Liu, uh, for inviting me to your program and uh, say hello to Professor Mahoney. Uh, I think there is a certain very important underlying issues here. Uh, first of all, uh, less people think that we think the situation is hopeless in Europe. It is not. Uh, the fact that this the article was published and there were sources inside the U.S. administration who are willing to come forward with these explosive revelations shows the amount of anger and resistance inside the United States itself to these uh, totally mad schemes. If that's true, then we are, this is an act of war. This is an act of, it's actually a, a, a war crime. Uh, now, uh, just let me tell you that in Europe now we have a very strong resistance to the drumbeat for pouring more fuel on the fire by sending more arms to Ukraine, as we saw in the Munchen uh, Security Conference. Uh, on Saturday, there will be a massive demonstration in Berlin uh, uh, for peace, uh, and it is organized actually by two, uh, based on two legislators, uh, Mrs. Uh, Wagenknecht and Schwarzer, one left wing, one right wing uh, uh, legislators. Uh, there will be demonstrations in 100 uh, German cities. There's a petition which has been circulating against this, uh, you know, extension of the war uh, and also calling for peace and lifting the sanctions on Russia. Uh, so th th on Thursday, our Schiller Institute will convene a conference uh, in Germany demanding an investigation of the claims by Hirsch, uh, demanding from the German government. And now there are voices in the German uh, parliament also mm -hmm. and the European Union, Un European Parliament to do an investigation. Now, the, the issue think, here is... Yeah, yeah, yeah Mr. Askar, do you think um, the United States has all the motivation necessary, the Biden administration has the motivations to carry it out such a risky operation? And again, as uh, quoted by uh, the article, it would be a political nightmare for the Biden, for the United States if it comes out. And yet they had the boldness, they had audacity to carry it out such a thing. Yes, this shows how dangerous a uh, situation we are living in right now, because uh, to, to do such an act, a flagrant uh, uh, war, act of war, uh, which is very difficult to hide, uh, the question is usually is who has the motive to do that, who has the capacity to carry it out, and the ability to cover it up. Uh, and it's very few powers in the world who can do that today. Russia, of course, was is excluded from this because it has no really motivation. If Russia wants to shut down the gas, they will shut it down at the source. They don't need to blow their own pipeline. Now, it's very important that historically, one of the maxims of British geopolitics, uh, of the British Empire, is that Germany and Russia specifically on the Eurasian landmass, they should never become allies or partners against the maritime British Empire and now their American allies. This gave us two world wars, uh, by the way. Uh, to prevent the Eurasian uh, powers working together. Uh, after World War II, Germany and Russia reached the Rapallo Agreement in 1922. Two months later, the foreign minister of Germany, Walter Rathenau, was assassinated by so-called right-wing extremists. 
A few years later, after looting Germany, the British and the allies of the United States supported and financed the same right-wing forces, and with the hope that Nazi Germany will go to war with the Soviet Russia, and they will bleed each other to death. And uh, in the modern times, after the end of the Cold War, the cooperation and Russian gas to Germany specifically and to Europe was considered as very negative a factor of geopolitics for the Anglo-Americans. Mm. And uh, a lot of Germany's uh, industrial development, uh, especially in the chemical industry, which is very advanced in Germany, was based on this cooperation between Russia and Germany. And just weeks before, uh, I mean, the United States had a long-term policy of containing Russia and then defeating Russia. Yeah. Uh, they may wanted to make sure that European allies, especially Germany, would not have weak knees when things, when show comes to show. Uh, 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 so they, the, the whole, as Samuel Hirsch says, uh, the fact that they wanted to cut the way back, that there will be decisions which are irreversible. Before the explosions in September, there was a massive resistance in Germany. There were demonstrations calling for reopening the gas pipeline, yeah. including in, in Greifswald, where the, the pipelines land in Germany. Uh, and there were demands, public demands, because the winter was coming. The war did not seem to be uh, ending anytime soon. And the German population, especially, and also in France, there were demonstrations and protests that the winter is coming, that we will have. The U.S. administration wanted to prevent the fact that the Germans and French and other Europeans start to have second thoughts about this war and might resort to going back to negotiations or pushing negotiations or pulling out of this uh, debacle, which, uh, strategic debacle which was created. So I think this is what was the motivation that to extend the war, to continue the war on Russia, mm -hmm. Germans and others should not be given any chance to retreat uh, Let, from the yeah. war path. Let, let's let's uh, review what uh, President Joe Biden said last year on February the 7th, uh, which is three weeks before Russia uh, started its military operation in Ukraine. Let's listen to this. If, uh, if Russia invades, uh, that means tanks or troops crossing the, uh, the, the border of Ukraine again, then uh, there, will be, uh, we, there will be no longer a Nord Stream 2. We, we will bring an end to it. Twenty days later, Victoria Newland, the Under Secretary of State for Policy at the U.S. State Department, delivered essentially the same message. She said, If Russia invades Ukraine, one way or another, Nord Stream 2 will not move forward. Professor Mahoney, um, how do you look at this? On the one hand, they were, plan they were planning this extremely clandestine operation that nobody other than the few within the Biden administration must know about it. On the other hand, they were flouting these public threats against Russia that they have their hands on the pipeline and they can stop it anytime they want. What is going on within the, the administration? Well, you know, there, there are a number of uh, uh, historical precedents here, and, and um, uh, my colleague in Stockholm has, has given us a little history lesson, and I'm inclined to do one uh, as well. Um, I, I will say, uh, uh, firstly, uh, you know, the, the Spanish conquistador Hernán Cortés reached the shores of what is now Mexico in 1519, and his soldiers didn't want to fight, so to motivate them, he burned 10 of his 11 ships to the waterline. Uh, this compelled them to fight, 
and to defeat the Aztecs and establish uh, Spanish supremacy. Now, more recently, not, not very recently, but uh, in the 20th century, um, before the U.S. entered World War I, it was selling war materials to both uh, the Allies and the Germans. Uh, there were substantial uh, uh, Anglo and, and uh, German populations in the United States, and they didn't want to alienate uh, their own people in, in choosing a side. But at some point, someone in Washington ran the numbers and discovered that the Allies were paying for most of the war materials with credit, whereas the Germans were paying with gold, and that if the Allies lost the conflict, they would default on their on their debts and that this would ruin the American economy. And so as a result, the, the Americans were compelled for their own economic interests to enter uh, the war to back those people who, who owed them money. Now, what's interesting is um, uh, German intelligence discovered uh, this decision in Washington, and that's what provoked the Zimmerman telegram to try to induce Mexico into the war, and uh, the, uh, started the, the practice of unrestricted surface warfare, including sinking the Lusitania. Now, the U.S. then used these two events to uh, justify entering the war. This is the this is the way these things kind of work. So, one of the questions that we have to ask here is when. Uh, Biden and his and his cabinet are making these kinds of threats. Um, is he is he communicating directly to Russia that this is uh, that this is a foregone conclusion, or maybe Russian intelligence had discovered that the U.S. was going to blow up the pipeline, um, and maybe this is what compels them to take a more aggressive position. It's hard to say at this point. Um, Mr. Askari, is there any possible motivation on the side of Russia to self-sabotage? Because after the explosion last, uh, took place last September, the White House kind of insinuated that Russia was the likely culprit. Yeah, the, uh, there's Edgar Allan Poe, American uh, writer and poet. He has something called the telltale heart. Uh, the basic uh, uh, lesson we learned there is that the one who makes the cover-up is often behind the, is the culprit behind the crime itself. So they, by accusing Russia of uh, doing the sabotage, the United States was trying to cover the traces uh, for what Simon Hirsch says uh, the United States did itself. Russia, as I said, has no motivation to blow its own pipeline. It took many years to build it. It's a very important strategic asset. Uh, and also, it, it, I mean, the, if, as I said, if the Russians want to uh, use the gas as a weapon, they would just turn the tap off at the source. Uh, and switch uh, it on when it can. The, yes, whenever it, it wants. So, yeah. uh, I mean, it's very important to, to, to identify the problem here. I mean, we in Europe is in a very, very precarious situation. We have an economic, not only recession, we have an economic catastrophe. And now these countries are being pushed even further into escalating this war. And this is a very, very dangerous situation where uh, we are reaching the point of no return. I think this was the point when Simon Hirsch said that when the president wanted to do something, the, the experts asked him, do you want to do something reversible or irreversible? Some voices of reason or a very small, very uh, um, limited voice of reason and yet not much reaction, not much echo. As I said, mainstream Western media um, 
did not pick up the story. And this is not from just another journalist, you know, this is from a Pulitzer Prize winning journalist, somebody who has been writing for mainstream U.S. publications for decades and yet um, not the CNN, not the BBC, not uh, any other uh, major Western media picked up the story, asked the question, not to say that, you know, we believe everything he says, but nobody really were interested to find out, Mr. Mahoney, why is that? Well, you know, first there's uh, there's this willful desire that I that I see in media, but also in talking with some of my colleagues in Europe, to ignore uh, that the U.S. and NATO have any responsibility for provoking the conflict, uh, despite many years of expanding NATO and undermining uh, Russian security, uh, as well as directly destabilizing Ukraine Russia relations, uh, as the U.S. did before the Maiden. Now, uh, this uh, includes, I think, uh, ignoring not just the likelihood, but even the possibility that the U.S. destroyed the pipeline and that it might have done so with a NATO partner, um, that it might have planned it and put it in motion before the, the conflict even began. Now, this is because the narrative that has taken hold, I, I think, in Europe and, and, uh, and the U.S., but certainly mainstream media, is that this is par excellence, an unprovoked conflict, that the West has no responsibility for starting it, but a compelling reason to stand united against it. Now, this coincides with a new massive expansion of NATO, which no one wants to seriously question, it seems, despite the irony that such expansion provoked the conflict to begin with. Now, I was speaking with a, a friend, a colleague in Berlin yesterday, and I, I raised the issue of provocations uh, that led to this conflict, and he dismissed these immediately and said, we have to focus instead on the reality of the present. Now, he's not an idiot. Uh, what he means is that we can't let past responsibilities distract us uh, from current realities. And he has a point in part, certainly if you're on or near the front lines. However, this uh, also uh, would preclude us uh, from thinking seriously now about how to pursue peace, how to step back from the conflict and find right. uh, constructive solutions. Well, um, the United States were definitely gratified or, you know, some U.S. officials were not shy to reveal that they felt happy that the pipelines were exploded. For instance, Victoria Nuland, as I said, Assistant Undersecretary of State for Policy of the Biden administration, said after the pipeline were exploded to a hearing that, like you, I am and I think the administration is very gratified to know that Nord Stream 2 is now, as you like to say, a hunk of metal at the bottom of the sea. She seems joyful enough that uh, the explosion took place. Uh, what do Europeans make of such comments? And are U.S. officials within the Biden administration at least not care what the emotions, what the sentiments of the European allies are? Because at this moment, it's European uh, livelihood being put at great risk, European infrastructure being destroyed, and yet the Americans are saying we are kind of happy that it happened. Um, Mr. Askari. Yes, well, I think this kind of flag uh, the Schadenfreude, the gleeful, uh, the congratulating themselves on the destruction brought on Germany and Europe uh, in general, and also on the Ukrainian people. Don't forget that some of the, the worst victims here are the Ukrainian people who are fighting on behalf of the West and the United States to the last Ukrainian, as President Biden said, uh, that this is shows more and more people that actually the intention of this war is not freedom and liberation, but to as geopolitical 
is to undermine and destroy Russia if possible, and then they can turn further uh, to Germany. I mean, the, the record, that's what Professor Mahoney was saying, that the, there is only one narrative here, that we don't care what happened in the past, we don't care how this crisis came about. Uh, the only thing we care about is that the Russians are bad, and now it, more and more people say the Chinese are bad because they're helping the Russians, and this is the only thing which matters, and we have only one solution is to continue this war, which will lead us to a global conflict. Talk about World War III is very rampant. Now, there is a reality. This, there was be a backlash, as I said, in Germany itself, uh, among people, among legislators, and uh, even military and intelligence officials who say, look, these people are turning mad. You know, they cite the, the Greek uh, uh, statement that those whom the gods wish to destroy first make mad, that those people have lost all rationality and they have, are completely detached from reality. So there is a physical reality, physical economic reality, which will force people to question this policy and find that there, is, there are actually solutions to this crisis. You know, they, they should stop the demonization of other nations yeah. and other leaders well, and start working together. Yeah, the, the impression I got from reading Mr. Hirsch's article is that the audacity, the sheer audacity, and basically that's also the comment from the source with a direct knowledge to the planning, basically said, you know, you, it would take a lot of imagination to come up with such a plan and actually say, do it. And yet the Biden administration just went ahead and did it, and they were getting away with it until this article came out with, with sources who claim to have direct knowledge to it. And yet, probably, they're still going to get away with it because who else is saying anything? You are not going to find evidence of the explosives. You're, oh, it's extremely difficult, you know. It's, as the source pointed out, it was a beautiful operation that possibly no other nation in this world has the ability to carry out. Mr. Mahoney, what is, what is your impression? Are we looking at this sad but true reality that might is right? And that is according to the United States standard and, and liking. Well, I think we have to put this in perspective. You know, this, this is not the first audacious attack that the U.S. Has, has put in place. We know, for example, that the U.S. went to the U.N. Security Council before invading Iraq and lied about uh, 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 weapons of mass destruction, went in, toppled that government, sparked a, a long-standing civil war, which in turn produced ISIS, and which then gave the U.S. pretext for, for invading Syria, where it still remains, and where we don't talk we don't talk about that either in mainstream media anymore. So uh, there, there are some analysts who believe that this uh, audacity, in part, is a direct signal uh, to China that what the, the, what the U.S. is willing to do, how far it's willing to go in order to get what it wants. Uh, this is important because we know that, that, the, that uh, uh, the, the U.S. is using this conflict, again, to really expand NATO, but also now trying to um, um, make China complicit in the war in Ukraine by, by saying that China is thinking allegedly about selling uh, or, or providing lethal assistance to Russia and then trying to bring uh, this uh, balloon brouhaha to, to the NATO meeting uh, to suggest that China is now a direct threat to U.S. sovereignty. All of this is trying to push NATO to expand its remit to, to include uh, China, to, 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 to drag Europe and NATO into this uh, uh, anti-China containment policy that the U.S. has put in place. So the prospects uh, uh, where this may end up and where this may go uh, could be 
uh, world war or could be uh, very definitively a new cold war where the world is subdivided uh, as it once was. Uh, I think that's the dark vision that many in Washington imagine. Mm. And I think we have to be very careful in, in our resistance right. to it. We have to be very careful. Um, it is alarming the degree to which the U.S. or the lengths the U.S. is willing to go, or some in the United States are willing to go in order to achieve their geopolitical objectives. Um, Mr. Askari, I want to ask you this. Um, I don't know whether you noticed the last sentence of that article says, you know, it was a beautiful operation and the Russians did not react because, according to the source once again, because they don't have the capacity, they don't have the ability to carry carrying out something so, um, which, which requires so much meticulous preparation and skills and resources and help from allies, however you get it. Um, and the last sentence of the article is, the only flaw was the decision to do it and Mr. Hirsch left it there. What do you think he's trying to say there? Again, this was a direct quote of the source. The only flaw was the decision to do it. Yeah, I think, uh Professor Mahoney made it very clear that the audacity to do such a thing, uh, that this, I think Hirsch is hoping, of course, that this will create a massive backlash uh, against this kind of uh, really aggressive, which shows every other power in the world that the United States will not spare any means to attack them and to destroy them, destroy their economy. And that includes friends and allies. The, that the, the, to reach its goals, it, it's willing to do anything. And this is a very, very big mistake. And therefore, the, the, we have, I mean, the Russians are not focused on these things uh, or the media. The Russians are focused on the battlefield. And there is a reality on the battlefield which says that this war is not winnable for Ukraine, that no matter how much weapons you pour into Ukraine, you will not win this war. And the reality is, as the uh, generally secretary, Secretary General of NATO said in the press conference recently that actually the, the, the NATO countries, including the United States, if they order new weapons, it will take two and a half years to get them. There is a physical industrial reality that Europe and the United States have been deindustrializing. Our capacity to produce things has diminished. And therefore, on the battlefield, this is really what matters. And therefore, there we, we will soon see a, a certain reality striking people in Europe and in the United States that you cannot really win this war. And the best way is to go back and to, uh, to the negotiations table. Now, there are, there are initiatives by Pope Francis for immediate negotiations, which we support in the Schiller Institute. There is the president of Brazil has launched that yeah. initiative. We have to leave it there. Thank you so much, Mr. Hussein Askari from the strategic, uh, strategic analyst at the Chiller Institute and uh, Joseph Mahoney from East China Normal University. With that, we come to the end of this special edition of The Point with me, Lucien. As always, you can follow me on Facebook and Twitter using the handle Lucien in Beijing. You've got the point.